You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. The Awesome Podcast Network presents The Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. Put your hands together for your host, Republic City correspondent, Tim Bridgewater Bender. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater Bender. Thank you guys for joining me once again. Uh, of course, the last episode was episode 25, which was, of course, uh, the 25th episode. Spectacular. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I do realize that this this episode is coming uh, pretty much right after episode 25. I use, you know, there's usually about a week or so in between the episodes, but since I was kind of behind because I had to take a little extra time on episode 25 to make that song and everything that went up later than it should have. And now I kind of have to try to catch up. Right. So some of you may have not even had an opportunity to listen to episode 25 yet. But with that being said, um, I, I'm not expecting to have any emails for this episode about that episode because I'm sure many of you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. So if there's something that I talk about on episode 25 and you still want to send me an email, feel free. You know, I can still talk about it on episode 27 or episode 28. So that can still be done. Once again, check out that episode uh, just to kind of reiterate. Uh, there was a nice surprise at the beginning. Ho- hopefully uh, a nice surprise at the beginning for you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, you know, long story short, I, I kind of made a, a rap song about the Legend of Korra. So uh, <laughs> check that out. Uh, I'm working on another surprise for you guys now. Um, and it's a surprise, so I'm not going to say what it is. However, if I do manage to pull it off, I will come on the podcast and talk about it and, and let you know where you can go to see it. So I most certainly thank you for all the support thus far. And um, let's get on with it. Uh, I want to take a moment to remind all my listeners and let all my new listeners know that uh, this is, of course, a listener feedback sort of a podcast. So um, I very much welcome your emails. So if you want to email me, uh, you can send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com. And uh, every episode, I take a couple of those emails to the side and read them. Um, I know sometimes I, you know, if, you, if you're someone who's never seen me an email and you notice sometimes that I read uh, some some emails from the, the same people. Well, it's because they're the only ones that are, <laughs> are sending me emails. I mean, I don't. I don't get a ton of emails. I do get enough to talk about weekly, but, you know, I will gladly read your email on air as well if you just want to take the time to send it. Um, but right now I'm kind of reading because the these I have a couple of people that 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 write me uh, frequently and, and, and I'm 100 percent OK with that. And I will always read them and I'll always talk about them. But I just want everyone else to know that, you know. It's just I'm not choosing that. It's just that those are the only ones <laughs> that are there. So if you want to send me an email, um, feel free and ignore ignore that sound. That was Velcro. Ignore that. Uh, yeah, send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com and uh, we can talk about your email as well. Uh, don't forget to head over to uh, Republic City Report on Facebook also. Um, I've been trying to kind of build some some uh you know some a community over there and it's kind of struggling um and i get it you know a lot of people probably just don't even want to deal with that and deal with facebook and everything that's fine but it's there if you want to check it out and every now and then i do post links to things uh i saw this really i found this really cool photo manipulation that someone did um uh, they took a real life actress and I, i think it was a lady who um i don't even know maybe i think she may have been uh, you know, famous in the you know the early 20s or 30s or something like that. But someone manipulate a photo uh, to make her look like Lynn Bayfong. And it looks pretty good. It looks really good. Uh, I was really impressed. And, you know, it just gives you a really good idea of what that character could look like in live action. So if you want to see that, you can head over to the Facebook page. And I posted the link there as well as uh, a link to the page where you can download the song, which uh, is titled Republic City Rhythm, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Republic City Rhythm 
So if you go to republiccityreport.bandcamp.com, you can also download it there. Pay what you want type of a situation for the song, and I hope you uh, enjoy it. Now, one more thing about the Facebook page is that I got a comment from uh, a listener who uh, he basically asked me when I was going to uh, make new episodes of the podcast, um, <laughs> which obviously, you know, kind of took me by surprise because I, I you know, I make an episode every week. So um, I, I have to assume that for some reason he just wasn't getting the updates. Uh, he Like maybe he wasn't aware that I was making new episodes. Um, so, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this now, you you you're up to date and you you get the episodes but you always want to make sure when it comes to itunes that you first of all that you're subscribed right so i don't know how what method most of you use to listen to this podcast because there's a couple different i mean this is on the podcast is on itunes it's also on stitcher uh dot com you know it may even be somewhere else i mean you can go to the um awesomepods.com and listen to it but that's basically just a stitcher player so you're still using stitcher for that but if you're using itunes you want to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast right because what's going to happen is that as soon as that new episode is well maybe not as soon as but eventually uh when a new episode is put up your your itunes is going to automatically download the new episode uh and if you don't if you're not subscribed then it won't do that and you may not think to go and manually check right so you want to make sure you're subscribed and not only that sometimes with my tunes i actually have to refresh it first i actually have to refresh the the actual list and then it'll up then it'll download the latest version of the podcast so you know i want you guys to to get the episodes and listen so if you if you ever have any kind of problems and you're realizing that you know for some reason you just seem to be missing something then send me an email republiccityreport at gmail.com or just leave me a a, uh, a comment over on the Facebook page because I want to make sure everyone is getting the podcast, obviously. Okay, so very exciting episode here, right? A uh, lot of developments here, a lot of things to talk about, and I'm going to try my hardest to not leave anything out. Uh, <laughs> but this is one of those situations where so many things happen that I want to try to address everything, but please forgive me if I forget something big. Uh, I'm going to try to not let that happen. But um, so let's get on with it. This is, of course, once again, uh, we're talking about uh, Chapter 11, The Ultimatum. OK, so uh, that title itself is going to automatically um, tell you a couple things about this episode. Right. Is that this? First of all, there's going to be some type of an ultimatum that's going to come up. And you can pretty much assume that that ultimatum is going to uh, involve the Red Lotus and Korra, you know, they kind of hint at that before, right? Because we already know that at this point, Zahir basically let Mako and Bolin go so they can go and deliver a message to Korra. And that that message is obviously going to be an ultimatum. So we pretty much uh, pick up with Mako and Bolin attempting to escape uh, Ba Sing Se. The upper ring at this point is in complete chaos. There's fires, rioting, even the guards are starting to turn. I mean, these are the kind of things that we knew was going to happen uh, as a result of the Red Lotus trying to take out all of the world leaders. Because um, this is just something that, you know, it's just one of these uh, very common uh, stories that happens in situations and in, in movies and different TV shows and, and media uh, mediums where... Um, anytime you try to get do away with, with the, the establishment, this kind of stuff happens. Right. But then sometimes, you, you know, maybe you're watching something like, uh, the hunger games and, and that's, that's a good thing. Right. And that, in that situation, you're being oppressed and everything. So you want to get rid of, but you know, we really haven't established that they're living in that kind of world in avatar. You know, there's really no oppression. I mean, the earth queen may have been, uh, for lack of a better word, just uh, a terrible <laughs> queen. But I mean, you know, everybody seemed to be OK. I mean, even people in the lower rung or lower ring, like, for example, uh, Bowman and Michael's grandmother still really liked her, you know, and they were they were pretty poor. So it's I guess it stands the reason that she wasn't necessarily the worst queen. Um, 
So in, in this kind of a situation, you know, basically we're, we're just being showed that if they were better off with the queen, right? Because as soon as she's taken out, everything goes into chaos. And this is what, you know, is probably going to happen everywhere. You know, just imagine that happening in every kingdom. So uh, Bolin and Mako are at this point, they, you know, they realize, okay, you know, we have to find Korra and give her this message. And this message is, of course, that... Zahir, if Korra does not turn herself over to Zahir, that he's going to go to the, well, he's on his way to the northern, I think it's the northern, the northern air temple anyway, and he's going to wipe out all of the uh, new airbenders. So they're trying to get to her just as soon as they possibly can. So, of course, they're in Bossing Say. Um, they managed to find an airship. Um, pretty convenient. <laughs> pretty convenient. But, you know, I mean, you kind of have to there's some things you have to accept right and this is one of those things you kind of have to accept that you know they have to find a way out of here and they're not they don't have any flying uh beasts to take them anywhere okay so they have to get an airship and they, they just kind of commandeer one after um some clever trickery by bolin because everyone's just kind of going crazy now and they they rip the radio out of the thing and uh, and all that but they get the airship and they get in, and they just kind of happen to know how to fly it too which is a little convenient you know i mean as much as i love this show every now and then there's a little something that you kind of have to be like what but you know it, <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things you kind of once again kind of have to accept right so they they take the airship and uh, and they're just kind of going around and they're, they're just going through the different rungs and they get to the the lower rung or ring or I don't know why I keep saying rung, but uh, I think I guess I'm thinking about a ladder for some reason. But the you know, the lower the outer or lower ring uh, and then, they you know, they they realize, hey, you know, our family is out there, this extended family that they just met and realized they had the grandmother and uncles and cousins and everyone, you know, and and and. Mako is like we have to go and get them so he pretty much takes over and they go down and they get them well it's not exactly easy to get them because uh you know their grandmother being such a loyal and this is one this is one thing that they've they're they've been kind of slowly establishing here it seems is that their grandmother is just very traditional right she's very traditional she's very faithful she's very loyal to the earth queen and where she lives and she doesn't want to leave uh, because she raised her family there and that's once again you know the legend of Korra has this way of just kind of you know tugging at your heart a little bit uh, because that I mean how we can relate to that right most of us probably have uh, you know all of my grandparents are deceased but when my grandmother my mom's mom was alive she was very much like that too I mean she lived in the same house for most of her life you know, and it wasn't necessarily the best location. I mean, you know, it was behind about five or six sets of train tracks and it just wasn't. But she was comfortable there because that's where she raised her kids and she wanted to be there. And, you know, so this is just one of those things you can just relate to as a person watching this show. You know, this show is so much more than just a kid's show. It's very much not for kids in a lot of ways, but kids can still watch it and enjoy it, which is just all the more baffling as to why Nickelodeon is doing what they're doing, but they're doing it, and I guess we kind of have to deal with it now. Of which, once again, there's nothing more frustrating <laughs> than trying to watch an epic fight scene when the streaming sucks, okay? this The big fight at the end of this was just a miserable experience for me and and because of the streaming which ah i can't tell you how mad that makes me <laughs> but enough about that enough about my own life too but my point here is is that you can just relate to that and 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 it's it's called your characters having soul right these characters have souls they feel three-dimensional they have problems they have issues they have life they have love they have hate they you know it's just one of the, the most brilliant things about this show is that how fleshed out a character as new as grandma yen could even be at this point in time you know i feel like i know her very well you know and we've only really seen her twice and that's or, or maybe two or three times and that, that's just great but she's loyal to the earth queen right so that 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 kind of shows you a little bit you know so it's not it's not easy for them to get her to leave so we kind of get this little moment between her and bolin where he's just kind of saying you know uh it doesn't you know as long as you have your family with you home can be anywhere 
And then it's this real serious moment, but moment, but then it becomes kind of lighthearted because she's like, no, I'm still not going anywhere. And then he kind of puts her over his shoulder and, uh, <laughs> and kind of carries her out, but not before grabbing that f picture of the earth queen off the wall. Now, I don't want to make a big deal out of that, but you know, obviously I feel like things like that don't happen for no reason, right? Uh, of course, there's nothing. I mean, the Earth Queen is dead now, as far as we know, but it almost seems like that is going to lead to something. It almost seems like uh, there's a reason why they're kind of emphasizing how loyal she is to the Earth Queen. So don't be surprised if that actually turns into something at some point. I mean, I don't think that she'll betray anyone over it. But I just feel like it's going to have to pay off in some fashion. What do you think about that? Send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com. Uh, but we'll see what happens with that. So they uh, decide on the airship that, okay, we have to find Coral. So we basically have to retrace the path that the other Basingse airship would have taken to get her over. No, 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 I'm sorry. The, the path that... Uh, that the ship would have taken to go and get Korra and Asami from the Misty Palms Oasis and bring them to Basingse. Um, so they just kind of retrace that path. They just kind of look for, you know, signs of, and everything. And they do actually see the wreckage. Um, and they basically end up just kind of getting led back to the Misty Palms Oasis uh, because they see Zuko's dragon. Um, which, can I just say that... Uh, I love the fact that Zuko has a dragon. I mean, I, I don't think I've talked about that much, but it, it kind of plays into this bigger, this bigger thing with this show, right? Because one, I think one of the most talked about things when Legend of Korra first arrived in Republic City was how industrialized and modern everything was, right? And even, and even for such a short period of time, it seemed like a lot. That there would be cars and, you know, all these, you know, different kinds of technology and everything. But what I love about that is that that's really just Republic City. You know, like if you go elsewhere, things are very much still like they were in The Last Airbender in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, there are some advancements, but it's still, you know, I mean, like Boxing City has a train now and stuff like that. Um so, I mean, there's there's some they, they do show some modernization, but a lot of things are still very much traditional and still very much remind you of that, you know, and something like Zuko riding a dragon <laughs> just kind of brings you back to that, you know, to that time, because it's very easy to kind of get lost and get caught up in everything now with all the technology and the airships. And even though there were airships in the last airbender, but now they're more um, advanced. Um but it's just nice to just kind of have some of that traditional stuff in there that just kind of makes you feel about it. It's just something I was thinking about when I saw that. But, of course, they pull up there and we get a re we kind of get a reunion and Naga is Naga has knocked down like every character. <laughs> Let's see. Naga knocked down Lin Bei Fong. Naga knocked down Korra. Naga knocked down. It's kind of hard saying Naga knocked that many times in a row, too. Naga knocked down uh, Mako. Uh, but it's always funny when it happens, right? And because and what I think they're doing with that is that, you know, Naga has not been playing such a big role in this season. You know, it's not like book one where Naga was like Korra's main source of transportation. So it's kind of hard, I would think, from a writing standpoint to find reasons to to utilize Naga. Right. So they remind us or they let us know that they have not forgotten about Naga by doing things like that. Just kind of having her run up and just kind of lick people and at the same time giving you a little comic relief in there. Um, so I'm totally OK with it. And we get reunited with Pabu as well. So big reunion here. We've got basically team avatars back together. You know, they see each other. They reunite. Um they meet up with Tunrock and Zuko and Lin Bei Fong, and they kind of have a conversation and everything. And uh, once again, we get a little bit more comic relief there with Grandma Yin, uh, with Asami, you know, her mistaking Asami for the Avatar, for Korra. And then Korra comes over and she's like, you're really muscular, <laughs> muscular. And Korra's like, uh, you too? I mean, it was just very funny and lighthearted. And then, of course, you know, Mako's right there and she's asking him, well, why don't you date 
a girl like this. And we all know he's dated both of them. You know, brilliant little moment. Very funny. Very awkward. Uncomfortable for Mako, I'm sure. But uh, stuff like that. You know, you have to have those little fun moments in there amongst all of the chaos and stuff to just kind of make things a little more lighthearted and remind you that, you know, there are a lot, there is a lot of good in the world, right? Just like real life. So we get that. But um, so at this point, you know, they're kind of all revealing the plans and everything. And they're saying that, okay, you know, here's the message. You know, Zahir says that uh, if you do not surrender yourself over to him in the Red Lotus, that they will kill all of the uh, airbenders at the Northern Air Temple. So they're realizing, okay, we need to contact Tenzin to warn him. But of course, they're all the way in some desolate resort in the middle of the desert. You know, they're not necessarily going to have the best signal there um, to be able to reach him. So they have to get somewhere to where they can reach him. Um, so they decide, you know, the nearest place with the best reception would be Zaofu. So that kind of excited me when they said that, because I was like, oh, I didn't even realize we get to see the metal clan again this soon at this point. I mean, I knew we would eventually, because why introduce all that if you're not going to revisit it? Right. So they revisit it. So they head on over there and they get off. Um, they greeted by Sue. Of course, Sue is upset because she just sent Opal to this place where the most dangerous criminals on the planet are heading to. So we get a nice moment there between her and Lynn. Um, but they kind of have to get to it and say, OK, you know, there's no way we're going to beat Zahir to the Northern Air Temple. So we need to figure out another plan. Uh, and, and Sue is basically like, we're going to get the whole Metal Clan army. We're going to go there. You know, they can't take us all. Meanwhile, Cora's thinking, OK, there's got to be something else that I can do here. Right. It's got to be something else that I can do faster. So she comes up with the idea that me, which is, you know, I mean, I can kind of poke holes in that idea a little bit, but I guess it was better than nothing. Right. She thinks that, well, OK, Zahir visits the spirit world a lot and I kind of know where he is when he does visit. So maybe he's there now. I thought that that was kind of a long shot <laughs> to begin with, just to think that. Well, why would he just be hanging out in the spirit world now all of a sudden uh, in the middle of all this? But, you know, it was basically just a, a, a tool that we needed. We needed her to get in the spirit world because she had to learn something. Right. And that's Cora learns something every season. And this is what's she's growing from this because she's not she's still very hot headed, still very brash. OK, but she's not nearly as bad, quote unquote, as she was in book one. She's a lot more, you know, she she takes more advice now. She's not as stubborn, not as hard headed and everything, but she still has to learn. And, the, and this is book three change. So remember, the theme is change. So you're notice you're going to be noticing that from a lot of different characters, a lot of situations that everyone is in. So she goes there and she doesn't see Zahir. But who does she see? Dun, dun, dun. The amazing Uncle Iroh. Always nice to see Iroh show up. Um. Which is, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, br brings a smile to your face. You know, I, I wish we could see more of those characters, but, you know, th the fact that they decided to break Korra's ties to her previous lives doesn't allow us to see Aang, you know, which I'm, I don't, I'm not happy about. I mean, I, I want to see Aang. I'm hoping somehow they decide to try to fix that before the end of the season, because, you know, I mean, the story's about Korra, but obviously we always want to see Aang. I mean, when Aang was alive, we, we saw Kiyoshi and Roku all the time, it seemed like. So I want to see more of Aang in Korra's story. So we need to find a way to somehow get those ties back. Hopefully they're working on that. You know, hopefully there will be a book four. Um, so I, I want to see that. Uh, but very nice to see Uncle Iroh again. And obviously, if Uncle Iroh shows up, you know he's coming to teach Korra something. <laughs> Otherwise, he would not be there. And he does. So she goes there to basically look for Zahir, but finds Iroh. And, he, you know, she she gets exactly what she needs from him. And that is the information that, you know, something you may not be able to reach Aang. But the next next best thing would be Zuko. Aang's best friend um, you know very tender moment there when he says that right that they grew up to be best friends 
because if you went on the journey that is the last airbender from the very beginning to the very end you know you know that that was a long time you know i mean you know he went from trying to capture the avatar to them being best friends eventually and that's just that is one of the best things about that entire story uh so it's very nice to be reminded of that um so she basically takes she takes a, she takes that away and she says you know what i i didn't come here for, i came here for something else but i got exactly what i needed you know and she got that from uncle iroh so she goes back to the you know the actual the physical world uh, and she knows she needs to talk to Zuko at this point. Now, since we're talking about Zuko and Iroh, uh, I couldn't help but wonder here is why did they decide to not include Zuko's grandson, Iroh, in this book? Remember Commander Iroh showed up kind of at toward the beginning and the end of book two, I believe. Uh, he's like a Fire Nation um, commander. Uh, voiced by Dante Basco, the same um, actor who voiced Zuko. Um, you know, the original Zuko. Uh, I just can't help but wonder why he's not included in this somewhere. I mean, it's very it's very unusual that they would introduce a character and then just never really go back to him. You know? Um, you, know you know, unless it's a villain who gets killed off or something. So, I don't expect him to show up. I have to say that because they have not talked about him at all this book. So I'm not expecting any sort of last minute, you know, Commander Iroh thing to happen. Uh, but I just can't help but wonder why didn't they revisit that? Um, maybe in the next book, you know, maybe in the next book, if it involves the Fire Nation more so, then we'll see him again. And, you know, and to be honest with you, when they first brought him on, I, I thought that they were potentially going to set him up as a love interest for Korra. You know, just someone to kind of challenge Mako in sort of a way to, you know, just to give another, introduce another person into the love triangle. Uh, but that didn't happen. So I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Anybody, anybody wondering about that? Send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com. Um, yeah. So I just thought about that. But she goes to talk to Zuko and she does get some some helpful advice about Aang and and everything like that but they're kind of interrupted now because they said okay we have a signal uh we can get in touch with Tenzin now so they run off to go do that and uh basically we get uh <laughs> we get Bolin he Bolin calls the temple and Milo answers the phone now this is something I didn't notice the first time I watched this episode. I watched it on the se- I noticed it on the second viewing, but pay real close attention to what Milo is doing when he answers the phone. He basically pulls a, a booger out of his nose and wipes it on the bottom of the desk. I mean, <laughs> you know, little little details like that. You know, it makes you wonder how many things like that happen in this show that you just miss because you're just not you're not paying that close attention you know it helps to watch these episodes more than once which it's very difficult online now because you can't even rewind online without getting an advertisement or something it's really annoying but you know i usually watch the episodes at least twice once just for general enjoyment and the second time to kind of think about some of the things i want to talk about so and i like to talk about boogers i guess i don't know but notice that when you uh if you watch it again but, you know, he's kind of just being Milo and, and Bolin's being Bolin. So then we get a, a little funny scene there. But, of course, we got to get down to business. We get Korra on there. She gets Milo to go get Tenzin. Korra immediately warns Tenzin that Zahir is on his way. But, of course, it's too late. That very moment, Zahir arrives in an airship. Okay, so it's pretty much going down at this point. Now, it is at this point that I think we just... We switch over to the Air Temple for the rest of the episode. I don't. I don't think we visit Korra again after that point. Um, we just shift over, and <clears throat> it's just pretty much action from this point on. So uh, this isn't really going to be that long of a conversation because there's a lot of fighting here, but we do get a lot of things that happens, right? So at this point, um, you know, they all just kind of have to disperse. Uh, you know, they have to warn Boomy and Boomy warns the other people and the other airbenders that, you know, we have to get out of here and Boomy warns Kaya and, and they're all just kind of running off in, in different directions and they all kind of get stopped by one of the Red Lotus uh, guys. So Boomy and, and his group get stopped by uh, Gaz- Gazan. Um, Kaya and people she's with get stopped by, um, I can't remember the female 
the no armed waterbenders name right now, but uh, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> and of course, Tenzin gets stopped by Zahir. Okay, not a coincidence. I think that you know they the creators decided to put those two to face those two off together. So we basically, you know, at this point, we, we get a big fight, you know. Well, I'm sorry. Actually, before before the big fight begins, they managed to gather them all into this room. Um, or, or did that happen afterwards? I may be mixing that up. But there there's a point to where all the airbenders and Tenzin, uh, they're pretty much in the in the, one of the temple rooms. Right. And uh, this is where they're kind of talking. And um, and. Intense is basically saying that, you know, I'm not I'm not going to hand over, you know, Z- Zaheer reveals the fact that he's kind of using them as leverage. Right. For Korra. And Tenzin is like, well, I'm not going to let you get Korra. And he's saying, you know, what? you don't have much of a choice. And Tenzin is saying, yes, I do. Tenzin was such a B.A. in this episode. And if you don't know what that means, Google it. Um, I don't use profanity on this podcast. <laughs> this is a family podcast. OK, but uh, yeah. So and he gets up and he just kind of like airbends the three of them at once. Okay, love to see that kind of stuff. Right. Love to see it. But, you know, obviously they kind of break I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, I did have it mixed up. So this is where they kind of separate at because he asks he asks for Kaya and Boomi's help. So then they kind of take. The other two, why he kind of takes a here and they kind of try to escape and this whole thing. So we kind of get, we cut back and forth between each fight, right? So Tenzin and Zaheer are basically kind of going at it now, which is just fantastic. I mean, can I talk about the animation and how amazing it is and how beautiful the fight choreography is and all that I'm just sorry I didn't really get to enjoy it as much as I would have enjoyed it watching on it on my TV but uh, I still got to enjoy it um, so we get a lot of that now also you know they remind us that Kai is here right and one of these things that I've talked about since Kai showed up and they kind of established him as this kind of uh, you know, this, this, uh, delinquent that, um, you know, just kind of out for himself and that kind of thing. He, he, he's kind of been slowly redeeming himself ever since then. Right. So we're kind of, we're, we're, they're giving us reason to believe that in this situation, he's going to do that again because they try to escape. He and Janora and some of the, basically all of the new airbenders at this point, they're trying to get to the, to the air bison so they can escape. Uh, but they're being held back by the combustion bender uh, who the combustion bender is very much like the wild card of the red lotus you know she's kind of like the secret weapon like i don't i don't know if they would have gotten as far as they have so far without her have you noticed that in every battle she's kind of the you know she they're they're all amazing fighters but if they somehow manage if you somehow manage to get past the other three you got to get past her and they've established in the last airbender and as well as this series that combustion benders are just like the worst. They're just they're the hard. They just seem to be the most difficult, the most difficult type of bending to stop. Uh, so they basically, you know, and she's in an airship. She's not even down on the ground with everyone else, which, by the way, who's flying that airship at that point? Because there's only four of them and three are on the ground and she's standing in the doorway combustion bending everyone now you could we could argue that there's some type of an autopilot in there but you know they've never really established that as as far as i know but anyway so she's kind of stopping them you know every time they run out she she sends a blast at them so eventually you know kai kind of steps up and says you know and i may not be going in order here just because i'm trying to remember everything so you know sorry if you're confused but i'm trying to touch on everything um So Kai decides, you know, because he's becoming a hero, you know, that uh, I have to do something, you know. So he decides he wants he's going to go out and distract her so that the rest of them can get to the air bison and escape. Um, So he he attempts to do that. And and for a while, he's pretty successful and they're kind of running away. and, And finally, she's about to take another shot. So he comes back and hits her with some some air. But then she kind of, you know, she's getting mad at this point 
and uh, she hits him. She hits him pretty strong and pretty hard with a blast and, and kind of knocks him out of the sky in a moment that, once again, will kind of tug at your heart a little bit because, you know, we've grown to like Kai. I mean, I've always liked Kai. In the beginning, he was, like I said, Kai was never unlikable. He was just, you know, a kid. A kid, you know, who was obviously brought up in, in a bad situation and everything like that. And, and Janora's kind of fallen for him. So, you know, so that happens. Now, let's just kind of go back over to Boomy, who is fighting um, Gazan at this point. Uh, you know, the lava bender. He's just kind of. But the, the interesting thing about this fight is that Boomy's just kind of. Boomy's just kind of doing his Boomy thing. Uh, <laughs> he's not really doing much air bending here. He's just kind of biting and punching, and but that's Boomy, right? So, in his and in his own way, he's kind of keeping him at bay a little bit. Uh, but meanwhile, we've got this epic fight going on between Kaya and the, uh, the you, you know, I don't know her name. Um, that's an epic fight, but obviously she's getting the best of, of, of her. And they have an epic battle, and you think it's over at one moment because Kaya hits her with this huge blast of water, knocks her off a cliff, but then she comes back with these water tentacles. I mean, I have to say that these the Red Lotus has got to be my favorite villains of this series <laughs> so far. Don't get me wrong. I loved Amon because Amon was very well developed in terms of his character. We got to see him as a child, his backstory, everything. That was great. He was taking away people's bending and it was great. It was great. Unalak was my least favorite. Uh, just, I don't, I'm not exactly sure why right now, but I, book two was my least favorite book. OK, if you listen to my 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 podcast episodes from that time, obviously, then you'll find out exactly why. I don't even remember why completely myself, but book two is my, my least favorite book for just different reasons. You know, just a lot of there was a lot of weird stuff going on. And I think as a result of that, Unlock just kind of ended up not being the best villain, in my opinion. But I'm loving the Red Lotus right now. And um uh, which is funny because we don't even really know anything about these guys, but yet they somehow still manage to be very captivating and very entertaining and awesome villains, you know, and they're not even that well developed character wise. Zahir has the most development, but we don't know anything really about the other three and we don't know much about Zahir. But the fact that they're still these awesome villains is just great. Um, so I think I think that that's cool. Now, meanwhile, once again, we also have an epic fight going on between Tenzin and Zahir. And it becomes it becomes clear, at least to me, that in this fight, that Tenzin can actually defeat Zahir. Um, but, um, you know, they, they had to he could beat him one on one, basically. So they kind of they they pretty much had to team up on Tenzin to, to get him, uh, and I love the I love that they did that right because to me it it would have made a lot less sense. I mean, you spent all this time developing how much of a BA uh, Zahir is, but should he be as so much of a BA to where if he's fighting an Airbender, someone who's been Airbending their entire life, no. Like, there's no way he should be a better airbender than Tenzin. And I love the fact that they acknowledged that, right? They made it to where it was like they they literally had to gang up on Tenzin to take him down, which can't it, it just hurts your heart a little bit. You know, and of course, we're going to get to the, the inevitable here. And they basically beat him up. You know, he gets he kind of he doesn't give up. But they they kind of just pummel him and, you know, he can't really do anything. But even in there, he doesn't give up. He's strong. He's fighting back and he stands a good chance. But with the combustion bender in the sky, you know, there's not much he can do about that. Had she not been there, I think Tenzin could have took the, the other three by himself. And I, I just love the fact that they kind of showed, you know, that he is not to be trifled with because he doesn't get as much action now, I think, but it's nice to see how much of a master airbender that he really is. And they really showed that in this episode, which I loved. But once again, they get him down and they kind of beat him, you know, and, and we kind of, uh, 
they don't show what happens to him. Now, this is where a lot of the theories about what's going to happen in the finale start to come in. And people are wondering, is Tenzin going to die? Because they keep kind of hinting at the possibility of a, a major character being killed, which is something that I sort of predicted early on. I think even before the creators even said anything about it, because I feel like they haven't really killed off any main characters yet. And a lot of times, like I said, shows they do that. Now, I don't think it's going to be Tenzin. And there are people right now that think that he's dead. Tenzin's not dead. I'm, you know, I mean, I will eat my words if I'm wrong about that. But uh, I don't do not think that they would kill off a main character off screen like that without you seeing it right and if they do that then that that does that does not that does a disservice to Tenzin and, and to the fans because first of all if you're gonna if you're gonna kill him he you know we need to see it we need to spend those last moments with him it needs to be an epic moment because you want us to have an emotional reaction to that right and we have much more of a reaction to that if we saw it as opposed to it being implied so I don't think for one second that Tenzin's dead. Uh, not only that, because they, I think that they, they're just going to use him for leverage, right? I think that the the uh, the other Airbenders are going to escape because we also see Kai. We see Kai, right? He's not dead. Uh, one of the Bison come in and pretty much rescue him from a tree. So rest assured, he's going to go back there and help the other ones escape. So what's going to happen, I think, is that they're just going to use Tenzin as a hostage for Korra. So if they kill him, well, then they lose one of their biggest trump cards, you know, um, which I don't think they would do that. So um, that's why I don't think he's dead for all those reasons. And then I think, you know, once again, once Korra shows up, things will be exciting. So that's pretty much all I had to say about that episode. I actually talked a little bit longer than that, uh, longer than I thought I would about that. But um, of course, we've got two episodes left. But from what I understand, they're going to actually put both of those episodes up the same day. So that'll be a finale. Now, uh, it's going to be a little weird for me since I record one episode per episode one podcast episode per one episode so when you listen to it right i'm gonna i mean i'm just gonna end up putting those two episodes up probably the same day or something like that um but once again it's very weird because i'll probably watch them back to back but i'll only be able to talk about the first one so kind of bear with me if things get a little awkward or weird when you're listening back to the podcast i just decided early on i was just going to do these one by one just to make it easier for anyone who comes along later if you want to go back you know you can just find each episode by itself and that way i can address everything about each episode without having to worry about cramming too much stuff in um but yeah so you know be looking forward to the finale um right now i don't really have anything special planned for that um, especially since I just did the 25th episode thing. So I think I'm just going to do a regular episode there. I mean, if there's something in particular you want to hear, uh, for that, you know, I'll try to have that other surprise ready in time for that though. So you will still be getting something there. Last year I did a video of, uh, and it's still on YouTube now. Um, I did a video. I recorded myself video wise recording the podcast and I sat in front of my TV and watched it and I kind of went into a lot of detail so if you remember when you listen to the final the season finale of the last book I was doing that and I, I put a video up just as kind of an extra thing just to make it a little bit more special you can see that video over at uh, I have a YouTube channel called um, Tim Dog T-I-M-D-O-G 326 on YouTube and there's plenty of other stuff there, too. So if you just want to, I used to do a lot of reviews and stuff like that. I mean, I don't really do that anymore for the most part because I do that other podcast and we talk about the same stuff there. So I, I don't do as many reviews on that channel, but I do just kind of do special projects every now and then. And this new thing that I'm working on is probably going to end up over on that channel. So you want to go over there and subscribe to that. And you can check out that video from last season, too, if you want. But I think this time I'm just going to do a regular, um, just a regular episode. But, of course, get all of your questions in and your theories as to what you think is going to happen. Right. Because that that's the big thing here is that who do you think is going to die? If so, and why? 
and you know how do you think this whole thing is going to end so send me an email republiccityreport at gmail.com uh, now um, that way which this this episode is probably not going to go up until Thursday which is the day before <laughs> the the season finale but that that doesn't matter I'm not I'm not going to record that episode those episodes right Friday night or anything I'll give you a little more time um, to get your emails in so don't worry about that you know just send them in anyway and I'll and then that way I can talk about them on, on the podcast um, but now I want to hurry up and switch over here and, and read and go through a couple emails here I may not do as many as I originally planned because this is already going a lot later than I thought it would but there's an email that I have here from Haven um, and it reads uh, hello I've been thinking about the characters from the old team avatar and the new team avatar and I've noticed that everyone except Mako has some special thing about them Toph discovered metal bending Sokka got a space sword Zuko learned how to redirect lightning Katara learned how to blood bend and Aang learned how to take away bending. For the Legend of Korra series, Asama has an equalist glove, Korra has more energy bending and spiritual abilities, and Bolin will most likely metal bend by the end of season 3. But Mako has yet to have something special about him. Yes, he's a cop and seemingly good at solving mysteries, but I would think that there would be more to him than that. One fantasy I've been imagining is that Mako will discover that he is a combustion bender. Of course, he would never tattoo a third eye on his head, but what I meant by combustion bender was that Mako would have the ability to stop and even redirect, uh, what's, what's her name, Pili, Pili, uh, the combustion bender, I don't, I just don't know how you pronounce her name, but I know who you're talking about, <laughs> uh, that he would be able to redirect her combustion balls before they explode. That would be a neat ability for Mako to have. Plus, it would come in handy and give Korra and her friends a slight advantage or at least somewhat equal out the bending power between them and the Red Lotus. What do you think about this? Do you have any other ideas of what Mako could possibly be able to do that would make his character unique like every other character in both the new and old team avatar is? Thanks again for taking time to read my emails and for doing these podcasts for us fans. Happy 25th episode, Haven. Haven, thank you so much. Always very nice talking to you. Um, so you're right. Um, there, there are the, every character does seem to kind of have something special about them. Um, although it's it's um, I don't know if it's as concrete as as you make it because I mean I, I think if you if you look hard enough you can you can find something right like you can almost kind of rationalize something like uh, for example Sokka getting the space sword. Um, I don't recall that being a big deal. I mean, um, at least not as big as Zuko learning how to redirect lightning, right? Or Katara bloodbending. So it's, I mean, it's arguable. It's arguable that Sokka didn't really have anything special about him either. But like I said, if you look hard enough, you can kind of find something. Um, and, and it's kind of the same thing with Asami and the Equalist Glove. I mean, does she even use that thing anymore? Like, I don't... Does she have like does she have it on her, her hand right now? I don't think she does because I mean, when she was taken captive by the Earth Kingdom forces, I would imagine if she had that thing, they would have taken it from her. But I don't think she had it. I mean, I I don't remember her losing it because I do remember her using it in that fight uh, where the um, the the rebels or whatever they were trying to stop her and Cora from moving the queen's money from the vault. I remember her using that glove there. So she had it there. But I mean, since then, I don't think we've seen it. But to get to your question, I mean, yes. I mean, if you if you look, you can kind of find something special about them all. Uh, and Bolin, you're right. Bolin would probably most likely metal bend. Um, but Mako, I don't know. Because see, there there's a, there's a, I think there's a misconception here. Because I have another email that I'm going to read in a minute too. You know, I got an email before from uh, a listener who was was saying that Mako can actually lightning bend now. Um, and, and I was saying that I didn't remember that specifically. And I think I think in her email, she points out a specific example. So if someone when I get to that email, if somebody wants to check into that so we can confirm this once and for all, 
that would be great. But if so, then that means Mako can bend lightning. So that would make that his, I guess that would make it, that would, I guess that would make that his special thing. Uh, although, you know, I find it strange that he hasn't used it since if he, if he can do that. Uh, but I'll talk more about that in a minute. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. You know, the, the thing about Mako is that in a lot of ways, he's he's still underdeveloped. I mean, at least, you know, he's developed, but he's still under de- more underdeveloped than the other characters. I mean, you know, I feel like we know the least about Mako out of all of the main characters. OK, and I don't I don't really consider Kaya and Boomy main characters in a way. I mean, they're important. You know, especially not Kaya because, you know, she's not always there. But we, you know, out of the principal characters, like we probably know the least about her. But out of the main characters here, I would say we we know the least about Mako. And I'm hoping that in, in future episodes, you know, assuming that we get future episodes, that um, they will dive more into that. And, and maybe he will have something that's a little bit more special about him. Um, because right now, yeah, right now I can't, I can't think of anything that makes him, uh, more unique. So you're right. I mean, it would be nice for them to kind of introduce something in there. Uh, and maybe combustion bending can be a thing. That's a pretty good theory that he would discover that, but then it makes you wonder, well, you know, if he was a combustion bender, would he not know that by now? I mean, I don't, I don't know what the rules are for combustion bending because they've never really talked about it. I mean, we've only seen one other combustion bender and he didn't even talk or anything. So we don't know anything about these combustion benders that except for the fact that they're, they're fire benders, but somehow they evolve, I guess, to where they can make explosions with their mind. You know, that's something that I would love to see them go into detail about and actually kind of explain more so. Uh, And then we can get a better idea of whether or not Mako has the kind of potential to evolve into something like that. You know, there was a theory that was posed by another listener, by another email that I got, that maybe that combustion bender is possibly Bolin and Mako's mother. You know, and I mean, you know, I think I explained why I didn't think that that was the case. But let's just say, for example, that it was, well, then that would kind of explain why he could become one because his mom was one. But we don't really know at this point, you know, if anyone can tell me why, you know, send me an email to republiccityreport at gmail.com. But, you know, we don't really know much about the history of the combustion benders. So, I mean, right now, I would just say anything's possible. He could totally become that. Uh, I don't really see it happening, but, you know, that doesn't mean that it won't. So thank you, Haven, for sending me an email. I very much appreciate that. We're going to move on here to an email from Thomas uh, titled The Ultimatum. Uh, Let's see. And it reads, man, I love action packed episodes. So much airbending goodness. Here's some thoughts. It's kind of sad how documented we get with to our leaders. Okay, sorry. I think you have a you have a typo in here. Uh, Even when we are being treated wrong, we still love them. Um, maybe you meant attached. Uh, I can see a lot of Bolin's grandma and older family members. I know. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was saying earlier about, about grandma Yen. You know, it's very, very relatable character. I like that when fighting another airbending masters, a hero wasn't as OP as he has been. Uh, OP on point. Maybe is that what that means? Uh, he needed his crew to win. Why are they scared to say the Earth Queen is dead? They used every other word but dead to describe her. Anywho, thanks for reading. Peace out and keep it classy. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I hear, like I said, I mean, I hear was, I, I don't think he did anything differently. I, I think he just finally met his match. He finally met his match in, in Tenzin. And, uh, and that's exactly how he should have been because, you know, I would imagine that if you're, if you're a really good at something and then you go against someone else who's better at it, then you would lose, you know, and it's, you know, he fought Kaya, but he ended up being a better airbender than Kaya was a waterbender, right? But he's not going to be a better airbender than someone who's been airbending their entire life. I think it's always kind of been somewhat of a stretch anyway that he that he was even as good as he was, considering that he was in prison for 13 years and he just got airbending all of a sudden. And all of a sudden he's a, this master, right? So it would have been even more believable that he would have been able to just whip Tenzin. So I'm glad they didn't go that route with it. Uh, yeah, and as far as I'm not using the word dead when it comes to Earth Queen, well, yeah, I mean, it's at the at the end of the day, it's still a 
it's still a, a cart, a quote unquote cartoon, right? And, ori and originally they planned to air this on Nickelodeon. I mean, now it's online, but originally it was supposed to be on TV. So I can understand why they probably wouldn't want to use that kind of a strong, definitive sort of uh, term on there. Um, it's just like the old Dragon Ball Z episodes when they first aired on Cartoon Network. They changed every, I mean, the word death wasn't in there. Kill was not in there. They changed so much stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's just for, for TV reasons. Anyway, Thomas, thank you as always for sending me an email. I've got one more here. This is from Dana. Uh, Dana, I believe Dana is the, is the um, person who emailed me about Michael being the lightning bender and uh, also a few other things. I think I may have asked for some clarification. So I think Dana is, is giving me that clarification here. Dana, thank you so much for responding to my email. I very much appreciate that. Uh, thank you for being a listener too, as well. So your email says, uh, let's see, it says more detail. He says, you got the right one, baby. <laughs> uh, just listen to episode 25. Thanks for the shout out. Enough of my giddiness. On to my theories. You kind of got the nail on the head when you discuss my theory. Bolin is so... Okay, okay. Before before I read the rest of that, I want to kind of contextualize this for listeners. Uh, one of Dana's other emails was that she had a theory that Bolin would become a lava bender. And I was just saying, well, where are you getting that from? Because they're hinting at being metal. So I was just curious to see, you know, her theory beyond that. So let's see. Bolin is so horrible at metal bending and so beloved by the fans, a huge twist like him surpassing metal bending and becoming a lava bender would drive the masses crazy. Show like this is famous for this kind, this kind of plot twist. Plus, this came to me after I saw his interaction with a lava bender. However, it could just be wishful thinking on my part. Okay, well, that yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, yeah, they could always kind of throw it in there. Like I was saying before is that Bolin is definitely the kind of character who could very much just easily trip into something like becoming a lava bender when, when he's trying to do something else. He's just that kind of a character. So uh, I think you're just kind of agreeing there. And yeah, uh, let's see. As for Mako, remember in season one where they lived above the gym and the gym owner paid them and then took back most of the money and fees and they had to save up to be in the pro bending tournament. Well, Mako went out and got a job lightning bending in a factory. It was the episode when Bolin got caught by Amon. I'll Google the chapter and get back to you. Uh, yes, please um, Google that and get back to me. Uh, if anyone else happens to know, because I'm sorry, but my, my memory is just a little bit fuzzy on book one. I do remember them needing to get money to be in a pro bending tournament. I just don't remember Mako lightning bending in a factory. Um, but, you know, if you're right, which hopefully you are, because and, and, that'd be cool, uh, then I just can't help but wonder why he hasn't done it since. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, very interesting, though. You know, maybe he just doesn't want to use it because it was so dangerous trying to redirect it and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, so if you can let me know, that, that'd be great. OK, continuing on with your email regarding the current season, it's bittersweet. The villains are arguably the best in the entire Avatar universe. However, the original series spoiled us with the amount of character development, story, background. Even the smaller characters, like uh, Mei, Tai Li, Hama, the Bloodbender, all had a backstory that was explained, and that level of character development will make the audience feel more connected to the characters and overlook the stylistic and continuity errors. What we see now are characters with amazing strength and whether subconsciously or not, we want to know why and where they came from because we're used to seeing that level of detail from Avatar. I sometimes find myself pointing out things I wish the writers did better in Korra, but I have to remember I'm not watching The Last Airbender. Sigh. If only they knew it was going to be four seasons from the beginning. Lastly, I'd love to see a series featuring the original gang grown up. Who would have thought Toph would have... Would would have been a deadbeat mom anyway love the podcast and if you're ever looking for a co-host here i am best dana thank you dana um i really i'm really enjoying your email here it's very it's very it's worded very nicely and and uh and you you make very good points uh i do agree that the villains are the best uh, uh well you i don't 
the entire Avatar universe, I don't know. I mean, you know, I would kind of have to sit back and think about that. But certainly I can agree that they're the best in this in The Legend of Korra uh, so far. Um, and you're right. The original series did spoil us with the amount of character development and story background. And that's always been one of the very weird things about The Legend of Korra. You mentioned the fact that, you know, yeah, in the, in the beginning, it was supposed to be one season. Uh, and because of that... You know, we're, we're not we didn't get as much character development for each character that we got in, in Avatar. Um, I mean, I don't know, you know, how when Avatar The Last Airbender first started, I'm not sure if they knew they were going to go the full three books or if they knew they were going to do, you know, uh, I, I don't know. But they obviously had a lot more time to think things out because I believe that that series was, you know, that series was about like 22 episodes a season or something. So basically, they just had a lot more time, right? They had a lot more time. So we did get to know those characters a lot more and got to get to see these environments a lot more and everything because they there was a ton more episodes. And not only that, that series was very much uh, continuous, you know, Um yeah, they had standalone episodes, but they were always building to something bigger, right? Like they were always, you know, he had to master this element and he had to master this element. And then at the end, we knew he had to take down the Fire Lord. So every season we knew that that was still coming. So they were still building to that. That series had very much a very overarching narrative and story uh, that lasted throughout the entire series. The Legend of Korra, on the other hand, Every book is about something different, right? Book one was about a mind taking away bending. Book two was about Unalak and the spirits and trying to become a dark avatar. And book three is now about change and Zaheer and Red Lotus. So that is a very big difference between that series and this one. Um, is that, you know, each book here is about something different. And Avatar, it was all leading to one big finale. Uh, and as a result, yeah. I agree. We do get less character development and everything because now they have to focus so much because each each book is about one thing with its own villain and its own kind of story. They have to kind of get to the point, right? Because they only have about 12, 13 episodes, you know, basically like half the amount The Last Airbender had to get to the point. So we do get less character development and everything. And, and it is a very weird experience, but it makes it even much more... Um, rewarding when they do manage to pull it off. And for the most part, they pull it off. But like I say, characters like Mako kind of get left in the dust uh, with a lot of things. But um, but they still manage to pull off a very amazing show and fantastic show here. Uh, and yes, I have mentioned several times that I would love to see a series or a movie or something with the original gang as grown-ups. I, you know, they have to do that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the future holds for the Legend of Korra, but at the very least, give us some sort of movie that just shows, you know, Aang, you know, just a, an isolated story. I mean, it stands to reason that he would have had many more battles after Fire Lord Ozai, you know, between Fire Lord Ozai and taking down uh, Yakon, you know, they had to have been some other things so i'm pretty sure there's many and you know and, and not even including the stuff from the graphic novels even after that point there has to be more right we want to it'd be very nice to see them grow up and he and katara have tenzin kai kaya and boomy as kids and and see zuko and most importantly find out how ang died because we don't know that we still don't know you know, and I want to see, especially they, they recently kind of revealed that Toph is still alive. You know, I want to see more about that and what exactly made her to leave. I wouldn't necessarily call her a deadbeat mom <laughs> because from what, from what we understand, you know, when Toph decided to leave and go off and kind of and, and search for enlightenment, you know, across the world, her kids were already grown at that point. Right. I mean, we're, we're assuming that anyway, uh, but it, it, the point is that it'd be very interesting to see what happened and why. And uh, so I, I agree with that. And I would love to see that. Um, 
And if I if I ever do decide that I am going to get a co-host on here, I will I will let you know <laughs> right now. For now, it's just going to be me because my schedule is so ridiculously crazy and everything. Um, but I appreciate the the offer there and I will let you know. So thank you very much, Dana, for sending me an email. Um, if you would like to send me an email, send me an email at republiccityreport at Gmail dot com. Um, just a couple things here. I, I talk about this every episode. Um if you're enjoying the episode in any shape or form, please take, you know, two minutes out of your day or your night, head over to iTunes and leave me a review and give me a rating. Um, that actually plays a much bigger role in, in, in things than a lot of people realize. Uh, I mean, I appreciate you sending me emails and, and saying great things about the show. I mean, and please don't stop doing that. But if you really want to help me get to bigger audiences, iTunes is the way to go. It's not not difficult at all, actually. Um, I think most people probably have iTunes accounts because you probably download music all the time. I think it's really just as simple as you just look up Republic City Report on iTunes uh, and then click on leave a review or something like that. And then it'll pop up with a little box for you to just type something in it. And you can do that and just click the five stars or six stars or whatever it is. And then that'll be that. And then and then that'll just make the biggest difference in the world for me and the show here. So thank you for all your positive support so far. If you can take a moment to go over there and do that, that would be great. Don't forget, you know, we have other podcasts on the network. If you go to awesomepods.com, you can see them all listed there. Check them out if you have time. Uh, my other podcast, Geekly Dose. Should be back this week. I think we're going to record that episode on Friday night. Uh, I may actually be doing that, and I may, and that's probably why I won't be able to watch Cora that day after getting off of work. So I'll probably be watching those the finale episodes maybe Saturday or Sunday, and then I'll get around to recording the podcast Monday or Tuesday, something like that. Give you guys a little bit more time to send me some emails if you want to do that. Uh, so um, I don't think I'm forgetting anything here. I just want to remind you guys to check out um, Republic City Report on Facebook as well. If you want to see those links, I post a link um, from Haven. Haven sends me links every now and then to cool little things involving Cora. You can find that there. Anything else I may have come across, you can find that there. Once again, the song Republic City Rhythm, you can go there and, and download that. And also be on the lookout for a nice, hopefully a nice, other surprise that I will hopefully have out soon enough so that uh, by the time I record the final episodes um, I can direct you to find those but you know it'll probably be on the YouTube channel that I mentioned earlier though so that's just a hint for you there okay so uh, I think that is all for today's episode so until next time for Republic City Report I'm Tim Bridgewater Bender thank you guys and I will see you next time Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.